Whenever I visit France, I always see lots of top bottles for sale, but when I get back home, those same bottles can be much harder to find, if not impossible. That's why I use IdealWine.com. At IdealWine.com, I can buy wines directly from France for delivery directly to my home. They have new auctions every week, and the fixed price selection is equally awesome. Clos Rouchard, Chateau Reyes, and Ulysse Colon, as well as many more greats from all over France, are regularly available on the website. Best of all, it is simple and hassle-free to buy them. Ideal Wine handles all the customs and logistics hurdles for you and for me. Wines are ordered with a couple of clicks, and then they arrive. It is simple. Check out IdealWine.com for more information. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com to find what you'd like to be drinking. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. Jerome Prevo of Le Closeret on the show today. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, fine. Nice to see you. <laughs> Happy to be here. So you began with an inherited property. You were given land in the Montagne de Rems. Yes. We call, we call that Little Montagne de Rems, in fact, because it is not a high altitude. It's near Rens. It's about uh, 10 kilometers from Rens in the village. It's called Gueux. It's not a, a good uh, a, a good name because Gue in, in French that means uh, people who live um, it's the opposite of the of the king you know oh, okay. Gue, it's a poor poor people like a peasant yes yes so yes uh, it's a little village and um, in the past it was a great village for vineyard but in the history of the village there is two disasters. The phylloxera first, and uh, after that the first world war, and the village was uh, completely uh, destroyed. So by the past, there was in the village about two hundred hectares of uh, vineyard, and now only thirty. And how many did you inherit? I begin with half and one hectare only, and now. I cultivate two hectares. So usually I say it's enough for my two hands, one hectare for each hands. Yes, because I would like to to do all the things by myself. In fact, it's not the case, but because I, it's my two hands is not enough to cultivate two hectares. So I need one person more. And my, my wife, since uh, two years now, work with me. And previously that vineyard had been in Metayage. Yes, is always in Metayage. But the Metayage takes place with my mother. So for me, it's not a, it's not a problem because she understands. Uh, perhaps there is a problem with Metayage when your owner don't understand what you want to do with the grapes, with the method of culture, cultural method, yes. And with my mother, there is no problem because uh, she understands what, what I want to do what what is um, the um, my philo oh, I don't I don't speak like that because this is not a philosophy but sometimes I take risk yes you have to to have an honor you be able to understand you when you work like that and for a while many years the graves had gone to the co-op uh, for for 10 years in the beginning the graves are sold to the negotiant, yes. It was uh, Laurent Perrier, and uh, yes, during 10 years, the first 10 years. And in fact, I need 10 years to develop, to, to be at maturity, to make wine. For yourself. Yes, because in the beginning, I think it was very difficult to make wine. Because um, I, I was young, and all the people around me, uh, speak about technological process and about study, about wine, to make wine, about uh, 
uh, yes, chemical process. And for me, it's, it was very, I was uh, in peace, yes. This was something kind of foreign to you. You, you. It seemed like a big deal. Yes. To make wine. Yes. And uh, in fact, I am at maturity to make wine. When I um, I taste wine by, by, by myself. And in fact, I go to, I travel in France in different uh, regions to taste wine in Burgundy, in Alsace, in um, Loire Valley. And uh, I understand to make wine. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a great wine is in relation with grapes. And a great wine, in fact, people do nothing with the wine, but work very hard in the vineyard to have a great grapes. Yes. And they do nothing to the wine. And in fact, I think it's, 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 a, it's a solution for me to work like that. So you went from thinking of winemaking as being about making to growing, wine growing. Yes. Now I can say to make wine, the most difficult is to do nothing. All the wine is done already in the vineyard. And you have to, to work very hard to the vineyard. But you are not the owner of the sun, not the, the, the owner of the rains, or the owner of the, of the wind. So you have to, to do the thing to make all the, the good luck to your side. Try to put it in the way that you'd like, but you can't really control it. Yes, a lot of things you, you can't control. Yes. But you have to understand what the vines want to do. Yes. There is a lot of jest of cultural process you have to do. So, in fact, you have to, to reach high level of maturity. This is the only point of view you have to on, on your mind when, when you want to make a, a, a good wine. And uh, that depends on the year. Each year is different. And sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's very difficult to to, to keep uh, to pick up grapes at maturity. You want the grapes to be ripe. Yes, right? absolutely. I think this, yes. This is my this is my work. Yes, and for a lot of people, it's um, it's easy to understand when people have a garden, for example, and cultivate tomatoes. Uh, they can't imagine to pick up the tomatoes at uh, not at high level of maturity. But when it's your uh, main work, uh, that, uh, I, I would like to mean that uh, when you you live with the production, you have uh, you have to think economic. So it's not the same. A garden is not the same from a, a vineyard because you, you you work with the bank, you work, you work with money. But it's, it's why a lot of people uh, keep the grapes at a uh, low level. Why they don't allow them to get fully ripe? Be because at low level of maturity, there is, there is nothing about this size. You know, we, a grape with acidity can't be attacked by mushroom, for example. But this is a bad way. So when you are in the vineyard, you have to think like a garden. But it's difficult. You, you have to go uh, out your mind, the problem of uh, money or bank or something like that. You have only to, to think about maturity. But it's difficult, really. And um, to do that, the only element we give maturity is the sun. So you have to work with the leaves of the vines to expose the leaves to the sun, but it's not enough to make a great wine. Because you know, when there is a lot of sun, you can make a lot of carbon with photosynthesis, and carbon is like sugar. In fact, sugar is is a, is a composed by carbon molecule of carbon, but it's not enough because to make a great wine. Because with that, you can make ethanol, and ethanol is good to make to to put in the tank for for to drive, but not to drink. 
So there is a second part, very important, is the part under the soil. And uh, this is a question of the roots. And um, in fact, the question of uh, what the roots can be able to eat. And with sun and sugar, this is uh, the life of a quantity. And with, um, we have a, a word in French called um, terre-mer, mother, mother earth, mother land. It's a question of, not question of quantity. It's a question of little thing, little part, like uh, microorganism, like cation or anion, like uh, mineral parts. It's wh when you drink water, uh, you have a lot of molecules, but very little molecule of mineral parts. And it's, it's this part who is interesting for the wine in relation with the sun, but not completely. And to work with the soil, you have to work with microorganisms. It's natural life in the, in the soil. And in this case, you have to work very uh, softly. Don't use herbicide. Uh, don't use a chemical process. Because, um, in fact, at the end of the roots of the vines, there is something like air. And like this hair. Yes. It's, it's very fine. And roots at the top create acidity or destroy a, part, a solid part of the soil. And acidity can, the part of mineral can uh, go inside the roots. But to do that, they need a bridge. And the bridge they use, it's mushroom. Uh, we call mycorrhizae. And you understand, if you use chemical process to kill uh, mushroom to the leaves, you can kill microorganisms in the soil. So there is no bridge between the soil and the, and the sap of the vines. And so there is no bridge between the, the roots and the grapes. And you can't take uh, minority of the soil in this case. And a wine without minority, it's a wine uninteressant. It's not very interesting. Yes. So you visited Ansem Salos. Yes. And what happened when you visited him? And when was that? Uh, it, I, I visited him uh, before I make wine. And this is uh, the logic way, yes. After discover of a wine grower in France, I have the possibility to discover Ansem Salos. But you know, uh, nobody is prophet in in own land. And in fact, I never heard about him. And uh, the first time I taste his wine, I was like at the top of the mountain. And I think perhaps it's a fantastic wine or perhaps it's a very bad wine because I never taste a champagne like that. So for me, it was um, something like a revelation, yes. And uh, in fact, we, we speak more than... Um, about uh, architecture or art than wine. And for me, it's a good, uh, I think it's a good thing. When you were there, instead of talking about wine as you were drinking, he was talking to you about architecture. Yes, yes. I asked him about um, if, he, if he are agreed to help me to make wine. And he said yes. And... Uh, I can propose you two ways. A normal way, with um, perhaps uh, use a selected yeast, and a second way, more perhaps more difficult, uh, a natural way. And you can make your own choice. And to do that, he, he proposed me to, to come in his own cellar to do that. So during five years, I bring my own choice from Gueux, to Avis, so it's not easy because it's about uh, 45 kilometers. Well, yes, we, we need one hour to bring the, the juice to Avis. 
but it was fantastic because I can work my own wine and and work the wine from sellers too. He proposed me to to work with his own wine, and um, it was fantastic because it was like um, a cooker, a chef cooker, who proposed a young man, a young chef, to to create his own cook in his restaurant and propose him to have his own table to propose to his own customer. So it was incredible because I'm I can sell my wine in the cellar of Cellos. And why do you think he liked you so much? I never asked him the question. Maybe that's good. I, 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 I think I, uh, I think for me it seems to be alone. And he was always in advance. So when you are in advance, you are alone. And sometimes it's difficult. And perhaps he liked to speak about me, about some... Uh, sensation about the wine. In fact, we have a, a lot of time to, to taste the wine and uh, at different degree, uh, from uh, grape juice to um, old millésime, taste some yeast, taste some bad thing, taste some uh, taste uh, other wines. So we spend a lot of time to taste everything. And we, we speak very very free about that. Perhaps he liked because I, I was um, not young, but without um, pre-thinking. No prejudices. Yes, yes, yes. Something, something new. Something like, like a children. The view of a children for me is uh, always uh, an interesting thing. What did you learn while you worked for him? Ah, in fact, I think I have my uh, first lesson with Celos. It was the first and the, the I take all the lesson the, the first morning I work with him. Because he, he explained to me, I, I never pump a wine. It's not a thing very uh, complex, but you have a tank and you have a barrel and uh, in a situation, and he, he tried to explain me how to do that. And he starts the explanation and he stops. And he, he says to me, Jerome, you have always to think why you do something. Because I think he understands that if he, he explained me how to do for this a particular situation, I can't imagine for all the other situation. So I think this is the great lesson for me. Now, when I want to make something in the vineyard or with the wine, always I ask me the question if it's necessary to do and why I want to do that. That reason, what I say you in the beginning, the, the most difficult thing is to understand to do nothing. And so you are working with your own Pinot Meunier grapes. Yes, yes, yes. This is a, this is. A, I think this is a challenge, not not for me because uh, I never make wine. So for me, it's it's not a problem. But Ansem says me, at least. Uh, in fact, in the beginning, he, he was not uh, sure I can be able to make a champagne only with Pinot Meunier, but he, he says me that. At the end, after 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 years of doing it, yes, yes, yes. He yes, said, "I didn't know yes, if he could, yes. if he could pull it For off. me, it's not a problem because I I, and I, I never think about that. I, I I am in love with my grabs on grabs, so I think it's I'd be able to make something with that. But I don't know what, and uh, we have to to taste the wine. The vineyard itself, they begin. Yes. Tell me a little bit about it. What's the soil like there? It's a soil, it's a sandy soil. In fact, the history of the soil began 50 million of years before, when there, is a, there was a sea. And the sea come back from the north, from Belgium, but it, 
Belgium doesn't exist at that time. Uh, so the, the sea come from the, the north and the east. And during a, a long time, there is sea life. And there is some shell, some, uh, yes, some life. And after a long time, the sea go away. And so it dip, it, it, there is some sediment from shell. So it's uh, calcareous. And after that, the sea come again. And she put some lay from sand. On the, top of that. Yes, on top. And she go away after that. So there is some lay, different lay from, from shell, from sand, sometimes from um, argile. And in fact, it was the youngest geological time for, from Champagne. Oh, okay. So yes. the soils there are younger than in the other parts. Yes. And if you go to the south, in the Côte des Blancs, it was Cretacé. And if you go to the Aube Valley, it was Kimeridgian, and it's the oldest geological time of Champagne. And you find that there's a fair amount of sun and dry weather there, or is it? What's the climate like in Lebigum? That that depends on the year. Sure. But uh, yes, if you have a sandy soil, perhaps during summer, with the hot hot uh, sun, there is a high level of temperature on the soil. And during the night, you have a lot of malic acidity uh, burn by the reflection of the, the heat of the warmth. Yes. So it's why we don't make uh, grabs with high level of acidity. So it wouldn't be a place for a real steely Chardonnay area. It would be a bigger wine. In fact, a great, a great terroir. It's, it's a terroir we'd be able to have grabs with high level of acidity and high level of sugar. And I think it's, it's not my case because you know you have two levels and this is a, the opposite. When the grapes grow to maturity, they increase the level of sugar. But in the opposite, the level of acidity go down. But in fact, in a great era, I think it's not a question of acidity, but it's a question of uh, minerality. So a lot of people make the confusion between high, uh, level of acidity and level of um, minerality. And yes, we have to be careful about that. For you, a great wine would have a lot of mineral character. Ah, yes, yes. It's not a question of acidity. It's a question of maturity because if you have not maturity, you have not minerality because the wine is like a pump. And the system will increase the level of sugar in the grapes pumps a lot of minerality. And absolutely, minerality is why you, you can taste in the wine in the future, not in the beginning. When the wine is at, at maturity, after a few years, you can taste minerality, not in the beginning. Oh, I see. It takes a while it, for the minerality to show in the bottle. Yes. In the, in the beginning, you can taste something like fruit. But uh, in Champagne, we make appellation d'origine contrôlée, and it's not a question of fruit. When people come to the, to the cellar, and when we taste young wine, sometimes they can uh, say to me, oh, we can taste uh, wine very, with uh, uh, a lot of fruit, but it's not my, uh, my problem. And uh, I say to them, if you want to taste something with fruit, you can take uh, you can taste uh, apple, uh, fruit, or uh, orange juice. But this is wine, and it's not wine is not a juice or fruit. Wine is a question of uh, minerality, but you can test that with time. The wine is time to taste to develop minerality. And the vines that you have were planted in the 1960s. Yes, in the beginning of 60. Yes, 60 in, in uh, three parts, 60, 61, and 62. So this is not my grandfather who, who do that. It's an um, old uh, wine grower. And uh, I think he make a good choice between the choice of the cepage, so Pinot Meunier, and uh, the choice of the American roots. Because he used 3309 and... 3309 is uh, American woods you, you can find in, in Burgundy or in Loire Valley. And it's not vigorous. And 
it's very important for me, but I am not responsible for that. But you know, at that time in the beginning of the 60s, it's not the, it's not, uh, the beginning of the fortune in Champagne. Uh, so I think people do uh, the right thing at that time. Because people got more money in the 70s, they started to do other things. Yes, to increase the level of um, the volume. And uh, it, it starts near the 80, yes, that perhaps before, in 70 with a um, chemical product. But a lot, that, a lot of people in the IT use, uh, for example, uh, 41B. And 41B increase the level of the, the volume of grabs. And it's not a good thing, yes. Why do you think that the gentleman planted Pinot Meunier there? Is it an area known for Pinot Meunier? Oh, I think it's, it's only a question of altitude. Because this is not high level. And um, during the spring, it can be very, um, very cold. And it's just a question to pass the one day, two days, or three days when there is frozen. Because uh, Pierre is a variety who grow uh, more later regarding Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. So perhaps you can pass the frost of uh, spring only for two days. It's enough. The bud break is a little later. Uh, yes. With the frost, the buds can burn. Yes. Mm. So I think it's a reason to use Pinot Meunier in the um, in low that, altitude. In the lower part where the frost can settle in. Yes. I see. This is a reason, yes. When do you like to pick the grapes? So, at maturity, but that doesn't mean nothing. It's not a question for me of level of sugar. It's a question of maturity of the skin. In fact, I make a white wine. This is a low in Champagne with a red grapes. And... Uh, one day I understand when I taste the berry and if you taste the berry and you put away the skin and only you taste the berry, you have not a great sensation when you taste only the berry without the skin. You have sensation of sugar, of perhaps of acidity and perhaps of bitterness. And after that, if you taste only the skin, you have all the flavor of the grapes just under the skin. And for me, it's a red skin. And the law in Champagne don't permit me to use all the grapes. I have to make a white wine with a red grapes. So I think if I pick up the grapes at high level of maturity, with high level of uh, maturity of the skin, a part of the flavor of the skin go in the berries. Goes inside. Yes. And I can use, use it to make... A wine with, um, ex with expression, yes. More character. Yes, yes. And this is the reason why I decided to make a red wine. A red wine with no bubbles, a Côte de Champenois. Yes. In fact, it's called uh, Red Champagne, but there is no bubbles uh, in the beginning. And it's to, to make a blend, to make a rosé. But I would like to know what is the potential of the grapes. It's why I make a red wine. So you... Make a rosé really because you want to know what the grapes tasted like as a wine. In the beginning, I want to make a red wine. Yeah. And I do that. And after that, I say, what what I do with this wine? So I can make a, a Coteau Champenois or make a blend to make a, a pink champagne. Which is really good. But, you know... Um, Your rosé champagne is like amazingly good. Because I, I like the second fermentation. So... I don't want to keep the wine st still on the red part. I liked the second fermentation because it's um, a level more to express the character of the wine. It lifts the character. In, fa in fact, there, there is no character of the origin of the wine if you don't have uh, fermentation. Fermentation is um, a really revelation for the, for the origin of the soil. It's not only a question of wine. If you taste tea, um, if you taste cheese, if you taste cigar, yes, this is something we need fermentation to express something. And this is the case with, with the wine. And in the case of Champagne, we make one fermentation to make a steel wine, and we make a second fermentation. 
And in fact, if I can make free fermentation, I will be happy because I think each fermentation increases the level of uh, the character of the wine. Because sometimes there are people who are also very popular who you get the feeling they make wine where they don't really want sparkling wine in champagne. Ah. You know, sometimes it's lower pressure and you feel like what they really want to do is make white burgundy, but what they have is vineyards and champagne. Like, for instance, Cedric Bouchard would be an example of that for me. Yes, but he, he, he make a wheat wine, yes. Oh, no, I agree. But, yes, but it's, the, the question of pressure is not a question of, of um, fermentation. Is it? But it's a, question, it's a question of the level of sugar you put for the second time in, in the wine. You, you know now uh, I make wine with low pressure. In the beginning... I do wine with high level of pressure and now low pressure. It's not a question of regarding the character of the wine. It's a question of alcohol in the wine because now in my wine there is low level of alcohol and it's more easier to, I think, to drink. But in fact, we make a second fermentation and uh, we are ag agree with that. We want to make a, a second fermentation. It's not a question of level of... Uh, of sugar. In fact, for me, it's like you put, you know, there is a, there is a, a work who consists to, I don't know the word in English, to put some iron on the fire. A uh, blacksmith. Yes. And uh, you can transform the original thing to something new. Mm -hmm. And for me, the second fermentation is like that. Like an alchemy. Yes, because when you taste the wine, still wine, sometimes you have to imagine when it can be able with a second fermentation. And for me, it's absolutely crazy to think about that. I, I can't do that, in fact. I can't imagine when I taste my uh, steel wine what it will be with a second fermentation. But I see, I would like to put in the bottle for the second fermentation an happy wine, a wine at high level of maturity. It's, it's why I put the, this wine in bottle in July after the, the harvest. You let it over-harvest. Be because I think the wine is happy. So, so when I taste wine after the second fermentation, I don't recognize my wine. And it's, it seems to be more younger. But when I taste the wine, this bubble wines, after a few years, it seems to be more longer. It expresses something I never taste with a steel wine. So it's why for me the second fermentation is like a, very, a revelation of the character of the wine. Why did you decide to do single parcel, single vintage? Obviously, single <laughs> grape, but why? Because I, I can't do nothing else. I have, I have only one cepage, or only one parcel. But what about blending vintages? Why? Uh, because... I, because I have two things I can find in Burgundy wine. If I do no blend of um, different age of wine, I have I be in the same way from Burgundy wine. So why not? It's it's a reason I do that because it seems to be near the wine and not near the bubble. Okay, it's it's a reason I do that to to think like the, the people I, I'm. I met before to make my own wine because I, I, I have a travel in uh, Burgundy area. I meet uh, Anne-Claude Lefebvre or, or Moray or, or Bruno Claire. And I was uh, impressed by this uh, wine, wine grower and winemaker. So, and seems to be nearest this type of wine than um, bubble wines. A bubbly beverage. Yes. But... I like the second fermentation. I love second fermentation. But it's not a question of bubble for me. You were making your wine at Salos in Avis, and then you stopped doing that. Yes. Because it was a long drive for you. Uh, not only because, you know, when you make wine, you, you want to live all the time with the wine. Sometimes it, you are in the evening, uh, very late, and you want to taste your wine. And when your wine is about uh, three quarters to your own uh, houses, 
it's very difficult. It's like your sh a, a wine in the beginning is like a children. For, it's like my children. So it was very, very difficult to me to, to live with this idea, not be able to taste my wine when I, I would like to do that. So it's, it's a reason I, I come back to, to my um, own houses. But at that time, I have no cellar. So I have only um, like something like a garage. So I have to, to build something, to build uh, an area, a space, to be able to, to drive the fermentation. And uh, I was lucky because I, I found uh, a little cellar in the street. And uh, in fact, it was not a cellar, it was a, a space. It was used by the past to, during the war to, to put bombs. I see. But it's perfect to make wine. And it was, uh, we say in French, uh, the hazard to find this place. And what did you put in there for equipment? What do you use to make the wine? Only barrel, different type of barrel, different type of volume. I like that. In the little cellar under the street, there is a little door. So I can only use a um, burgundy barrel. But in the cellar at home, it was a big door. So I can use biggest barrel. So I use barrel from uh, 600 liters and 400 liters. But uh, I work only with, uh, with wood. And I have uh, only a little pump to, to do the blend of the of the vine and uh, it's enough I no think. stainless steel no and uh, to make the second fermentation to, to put the wine bottle we use uh, only gravity so we don't use a um, mechanical process yes but uh, we need a lot of uh, people to do that I, in fact I, I have some friends of me who make wine and they put 50,000 bottles in one morning, in bottle. And to make my uh, 14, 14 bottles, I need uh, three days with nine persons. One, four, three zeros. Yes. Okay. Yes. I need three days with nine persons. It's, it's very long because it's, we use only the gravity. So it takes time. But we don't press, we don't press the wine in the bottle. And at that time in July, there is a high level of temperature in the, in the cellier. And I like that because I, I can live with the wine. I can smell something about the wine. And what kind of wood is it that you use? Where does it come from? As a wood, in the beginning, I, I use um, not new barrel. So it comes from Burgundy. And uh, each year, I buy about 10%. But... I use different tonneliers and I ask them only classic barrel. I only want a barrel with no hole. And that, no hole? No, that means that I want a barrel who keeps the, the wine. Keep the wine inside of it. Yes, yeah. it's enough for me. Yeah. It's <laughs> Nothing not a, fancy. No, it's not a question of wood because, you know, now there is a lot of tonneliers. Before to sell the barrel, ask you what type of uh, wine you want to do. And it's incredible to hear about that. So, no, just a barrel who keep the wine inside. It's enough for me. And what about racking? It sounds like when you bottle, what you do is you take it down and you let the sediment stay into the barrel. Yes. But do you, before that, do you rack it from one barrel to another to leave the growth? Ah, no, no, no. We press the grapes and uh, we make, uh, in fresh the debourbage. Okay. That, that means that the solid part of the... Um, juice go down the tank and after that we pump but we pump a part of the sediment it's important solid part we don't pump the, the there is sometimes a part of the soil something like uh, stone we don't pump that heavy but we pump the solid part of the fruit and we put directly in the barrel and after that we do nothing on the wine okay to the harvest to, to dry we do nothing no, no collage, no filtration, no soutirage. The wine lives its own life on the barrel. And do you use the same parcel to the same barrel every time? 
Or has it changed now and again? I have only one parcel. Sure. <laughs> but um, in fact, I think there is a, something like a memory of the barrel. Because when we put outside, when we pour the wine in July to make the blend, we have to wash inside the, the barrel. And we wash the barrel with uh, cold water, not hot water, to sterilize the inside the barrel. So there is some life inside the barrels. And when I put the new juice from the new harvest in the barrel, for me there is some microorganism who work with the wine, with the new juice. The previous tenants are still there. Yes. And and for me it's like the memory of the of the barrel, of the old wine. It's why for me it's there is no you know the the meaning of millesime? It's something uh, very difficult to imagine for me because this is not time after time. It's time with... Uh, with time. Yes. It's time with time. Yes. It's a continuation. It's not only a continuation, but there is a, there is a part of the new vintage start with the old vintage. And you know there is some jazz you do in the vineyard six years ago who express in the new vintage. So... The new vintage don't start with the harvest, but it starts before. It's like a tree, you know. The ah, newest yes. growth is at the top, but it shares the same trunk. Yes, yes. But the vine is a tree. Little tree is it's a tree. Yes, yes. And so it goes in the bottle, and you don't add dosage. A little. Um, For expedition. Yes. We we do a little because we, we we sell the wine very I think very quickly. But there is a reason. So I have no enough space to keep the bottle in yeah. the salad. But the main reason and this is the, the true reason is because I don't understand the meaning of champagne who say I sell you the bottle now because yesterday it was not good to drink and tomorrow it was not good to drink. You know, there, there is something like that in Champagne, when people uh, propose the Champagne on the market. And it's not in relation for me with the wine. In the Burgundy, you can buy some new bottle, but you know you have to keep the bottle on the cellar before to taste. And it's not a problem with Burgundy wine or uh, Loire Valley wine. And I ask the question, why is this a, a problem with champagne? In fact, it's not a problem. You have to, to keep time to taste. So I say my consumer, you have all in the bottle to be able to take time. And uh, my wines are more expressed about, uh, after six years. So you have to, if you have the possibility, you have to taste my wine after six years. It's gotten better and better. But you do age it under cork for a bit before you release it. Ah, no, no, I don't do that. You don't? No. Okay. I have so, I have so, some old bottles in my own cellar, yes? Yeah. But it's it's only for me or for oh, people hopefully who... hopefully for me. Yes, 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 yes <laughs> for people who, who come to the domain. But uh, I like to disgorge the wine and to keep the wine on the cork, yes. But without the, the lees of the second fermentation. Because when you disgorge your wine, this is um, the last moment the wine can breath. It takes a little part of oxygen. And with this little part of oxygen, the wine, time after time, can be happy. It's a question of memory of the wine. Because for the first fermentation, my wine can breath on the wood. And when you put the wine in bottle for the second fermentation, this is not the, the same way. This is a reductive way. And I think my wife is not agree with that. He needs oxygen to remember his own life before the second fermentation. It's why I like to put the wine with the lees for the second fermentation and live with this little part of ox oxygen. I often find with your wines that when I open them before six years in the bottle, after I've gotten them, 
that it's helpful to decant them and give them some air. Yes, it, it seems to to take sugar, but we don't put sugar. You you can taste a, a wine discard after one year, and the same wine discard after six years, and it seems to to have sugar. And in fact, it's a question of uh, for me, it's a question of glycerol, and um, a question of a discussion be- between glycerol and oxygen. And it seems to be sugar, but it's not sugar. But uh, it's a question, yes, of maturity of the wine, yes. But do you ever decant the bottles when you serve them? Do you ever pour them into a carafe? Oh, I, I don't like to do that because it's, it's something like a very special. But no, I, I like to open the bottle two hours before. But it's, it's enough, to, yes, to, to develop Sometimes you've done experiments by leaving the wine in barrel for an extra year before yes. you've bottled it. And yes. What does that end up showing you? Uh, I do that only when I think the year is very, not very great, but very different from the other. I do that in uh, 2000 and in 2003. And um, yes, the wine is different. I can compare with um, bottling and the last bottling, and the wine is different. But this is a question of a discussion between the wine and the lees. And when I keep the wine, one more year on the lees, the wine seems to be more closed. In the beginning, less expressive. But at least it was most expressive. But it's because it discusses with the lees with the wood, but not the lees on the bottle. It's a question of oxidative uh, way, not reductive way. And I, I keep the wine on the barrel like that. I do nothing. You know, I don't make the um, complete the volume with uh, the evaporation you of the wine. You don't top off. No, so. no, I do nothing. But there is um, some yeast some uh, in the surface of the wine. And I think it's enough to protect the wine naturally. Like a veil or a floor. Yes, yes, yes. Something and that's like all that. the time or sometimes? Each time. You, you can see that. In your cellar? Yes. You don't top up ever? Yes. At the top. You can see that. I mean, but you never top up in your cellar? No. In any, any barrel ever? No. But between the harvest and July, it's not a, a big... Um, That's not a long time. Y- yes. It's not a big hole in, under the barrel. But you, you can see the floor. Yes. But I don't think it's um oxidative floor. It's... um. It's the life of the wine, yes. But uh, I prefer to do that than to put oxygen when I, I make the... the Addition of the yes. topping up. Yes. Because you have to open it to do it. To you have to open and, you, and when you, you, you put the wine, you, you put oxygen on the barrel. And uh, you make an hole on the surface of the wine. And you distract something from the, from the yeast. And I don't like that. I think it's a natural protection. It's like a film on the surface. Have you seen that in other cellars? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very curious about <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, somebody else that seems to me to go between the poles of reductive winemaking and oxidative winemaking is, is Solos. Did you see a sense of where you wanted to go in terms of oxidative winemaking at Solos? I learned to make wine uh, with Solos. So perhaps it's something I have now uh, in me. That I think oxygen, it's a question of maturity. And I think there is no maturity with the wine if there is no oxygen. There, if there is no discussion with um, oxygen, oxygen is life for me. It's not, uh, oxygen is not a problem. Often, the question of oxygen is a problem for a winemaker. But for me, oxygen is life. It's, it's like, like in the vines. In the vineyard, you need oxygen. And uh, perhaps more than oxygen is a question of respiration, of uh, breath. Respiration, yes. sure. Yes. It's a question of like a balance. But I don't know what, what, what that means, uh, oxidative wine. I've um, already tasted it. But... Uh, you know, now you, you, you can test uh, some wine from Joie. It seems to be oxidative, but it's not. Uh, wine from um, uh, 
Ganvar makes, gan, yes, makes some wine. It seems to be oxidative, but it's not oxidative. And uh, I like this wine, yes. It adds a texture. Ah, the question of texture of the wine. <laughs> I like that, but it's difficult to, um, to speak about that. It's more difficult to speak about a white wine. Texture about a white wine is very difficult. Um, I don't know if my wine have a texture. I think so. <laughs> I think it's a, for me, it's a question of deepness. Mm -hmm. Depth, yeah, concentration, yes. power in a way. It's something you can taste with the noise. But I like to taste the wine. When you put the noise on the wine, you seem to be attracted. All the body seems to be attracted by the wine. And for me, it's, I like that. And when I can, I can have this sensation, Yes, I think it's a good wine. It's not a, only a question of my wine. It's a question of, of, of a wine. But when you know it, and after that, all your body seems to go on the glass, for me, it's a fantastic wine. And yes, the wine attracts you. It's not a question of, of texture because it's only with the noise. What have the different vintages of champagne that you've made wine, what have they taught you? I don't like speak about that. Okay. But, but, but I, I can explain because, in fact, <laughs> I don't know, really, I don't know what is a great vintage. If you ask me what is the new vintage, what I think about that, I can't be able to, I can't be able to, to answer you because I don't know. Sometimes I was, uh, often I was very surprised by my own wine. And uh, for me, it's like a children. I have to, you know, I have two daughters. I give them the same education. And in fact, they were very different. And this is the same for, for my wine. Uh, I, I think each vintage, I, uh, I give the same education. And each vintage is different. But I, don't be, I can't be able to, to say you, this is a great or bad vintage. And you have the case in uh, 2000 wine. It was a difficult vintage. I know that. I don't know if it's a great or bad, but I know it was very difficult in the vineyard because there is a lot of rain and uh, not enough sun. And the level of um, sugar in the grass uh, for this year was uh, very low. And we pick up the grape at, I think, more than uh, 9.6. So for me, it's very low. But when I taste the grapes, it seems to be at maturity regarding the skin, the maturity of the skin. And we have to make champagne with that, to make wine. And I can't be able to make a blend of different years. So I have to assumate this uh, low level of, of maturity, of sugar maturity. And it, in fact, it, at the end, it makes a nice wine, not very complex, but easy to drink. And when people who don't know my wine come in, in my cellar to taste wine, often he prefer this type of year. And it, it was a, a good vintage to, to entry in my wine. And uh, I learned a lot of things about this vintage, about the low level of sugar and the express of the wine. And uh, in fact, by the past, uh, I have the same discussion with um, Didier Dagno. And for him, the maturity is not a question of uh, level of sugar. It's a question of uh, maturity of the grapes. And in 2001, for my domain, it was the same way. And I, I can uh, taste this lesson of Didier Dagno with my own wine. So I don't know what is a great or bad vintage. You have an adjacent parcel that you work with, with different grape varieties than Pinot Meunier in it. Ah, this is in the middle of the, the parcel. Oh, okay. I decided in, a, I think, a, more than 10 years ago to replant a blend of different cepages. It was uh, something I do to, to bring the idea to work only with Pinot Meunier. When I work in the vineyard, I like to to live with um, different leaves, uh, different plants. And I do that in the middle of the big parcel. And I decided to replant Pinot Meunier 
Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris. But I make a blend of these different cepages. And I use American roots called Riparia. It's, um, it's, it's not used in Champagne, it's used in, uh, in the south of France. And uh, it's interesting because it's very, it's very low level of vigorous. And I can see that I have to attend six years before to have my first harvest. You know, in Champagne, you, you can make your first harvest after three years. And I need, in this case, six years to make the first harvest and very low harvest because this American roots is not very vigorous. And you can have a little wood and little grapes. And I, I like this parcel. This is a, always the begin, but for me, it's a new parcel. But it's a new parcel and it's a young parcel. So I don't want to make particular wine with this parcel. It's too young to do that. You know, there is a man in, a, there was a man in Burgundy called um, Henri Jaillet. And uh, he attended a long time before to make the Cro Parento. And it's a question of, of roots, what they can be able to eat. And you need edge to eat something interesting in the soil. And for the moment, I do a wine with grapes, but I make a blend with the other part of, of Le Begin. But in the wine, it represents only 5%. For me, it's like, Uh, it's like uh, salt for a cooker. It's like spicy, something like that. But yes, I like Pinot Gris. I think it's uh, interesting uh, grabs. What does it taste like? Uh, it's different. It's more expressive than Pinot Meunier. It's, it's difficult to, to, to speak about the taste of the grabs because it's something like it's, something like it's primaire. Before. Yes. And... Um, But it's more expressive, yes. There is something new, this type of grabs. And how would you compare the rosé that you make with the extra root that you make? What for you, how would you drink them? How would you use them? What do you find them? I think it's more complex than the um, Le Begin uh, extra root. But it's, it's normal because I said you, uh, the law in Champagne don't permit me to use All the part of the grabs. And in the case of rosé, I can use not all the part because this is a blend of red and white, but I can use more grabs, more part of the grabs. And the skin of the Pinot Meunier brings something new in the wine. And it's more complex, more deep, something regarding more, more sweet, but it's not a question of sugar, but a question of glycerol under the skin and uh, yes I like that but uh, if it was permit I like to make a red champagne but it don't permit what are your feelings about malolactic conversion uh, I do nothing to make the malolactic fermentation that means that I, I don't use uh, uh, selected bacteria uh, in my cellar there is no process to to put warm in the wine. So I don't use enough sulfur to block, to, to stop or to, to inhibit it. Yes. The malodactic fermentation. So the wine do, uh, does what, what you want to, to do. It's a, in relation with the temperature of the cellar and in relation with the pH of the wine, the, the level of acidity. So I think often the wine does malolactic fermentation in the beginning of the spring. But you know, there is no laboratory in the cellar. I don't work with an enologist. I work only with my taste, my nose, my eyes, and uh, it's enough to make wine. So we don't make analysis of the wine. So I don't know if the wine do is uh, malolactic fermentation. But I think it's done in the beginning of the spring. Are there things that you do now to the wine that you would prefer not to do in the future? Or I know that you try to do less and less. In the future, would you? are there things that you're doing 
now that you think, boy, I would like to not do that if I could find a way not to do that in the future? Ooh, so. Winemaking evolution through subtraction, I guess. In fact, I, I do nothing. So it's difficult to... Sometimes I have the idea to use, um, for the second fermentation, natural yeast. Enfin, in fact, all the yeasts are natural because there is no OGM, organism genetically modified. Oh, okay. There's no GMO yeast. Yes. There is no type of uh, artifact yeast in, in Champagne. So all the, there is, there are selected yeast, but it's natural yeast. But I would like to, perhaps we can try to use um, the yeast come from the area of the cellar of the vineyard for the second fermentation. Because you already do that for the first. For, yes, I do that for the first, of course. But for the second, I use selected yeast. Uh, it's probably pretty rare that somebody doesn't use selected yeast for a secondary fermentation, I would think. Most people probably do use, yes. use selected yeast. Yes, some some people f um, f frost. freeze it. Yes, freeze. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's difficult to restart because, you know, when you make the second fermentation, you are with a level of alcohol. And alcohol is the um, opposite of, of the way of the life of the, of the yeast. So it's difficult. And um, in the bottle, you have preserve. And this is the um, opposite way to the life of the... So it's difficult to, to restart. It's not really difficult, but if you use... Um, perhaps if you use um, uh, yeast from the natural yeast, uh, in the, in the indigenous yes, yeast, uh, but you know there is a different type of a yeast. There is some yeast to begin the fermentation and yeast to, to finish. And you have to use the yeast to finish the fermentation. The yeast will be able to live with high level of alcohol. But, you know, if you see the, the cellar, it was very crazy because there is a lot of mushroom in the cellar. There is a lot of humidity and there is a lot of mushroom under the, the cask, under the barrel. So I can't imagine to go um, to take more risk than. Uh, and I bet that's probably why you don't have to top up that much too, because it's humid in there, and that you don't get that much evaporation. Uh, but there is some yes, there is some evaporation, but, but not not much. Yes, comparatively to yes. what it would be if it was a dry Com cellar. Compared to the silly, yes, there is less less evaporation. Yes, but there is a, a lot of mushroom, and it's it's very crazy. And there is some uh, interesting thing between the, um, the ore of the barrel. So something very spicy. Yes, mushroom very spicy. And I think it gives something to the wine. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I think. I'm sure. Yes. And so, Lay Begin as a vineyard, that sounds like in a very evocative name for a man who's beginning his winemaking career, his wine growing career. How did that vineyard get that name? Ah, I don't know, but I, I know the meaning of Lebegin. Lebegin was um, this is the name of um, of a woman who decided to live in a abbey. Oh, okay. Yes, and she gave all this all um, all her money to to the abbey. Mm -hmm. And but it's not religious. He lived in the abbey, but it's not religious. And you can find this type of of uh, beginage in the north. By, by the past, in the north of France and in Belgium. This type of person is called Le Begin. And how old are you now? My age? Yes, sir. Yes, near uh, 50. What were you doing before you started making wine with Solos? What were you doing? Uh, I, I, um, I, lived, um, I lived the school. In fact, uh, I decided to... The, the, the vineyard um, came from my grandmother. But she, she wasn't a wine grower. She, she only the owner. She was the owner of the, of the vineyard. And the wine grower who cultivated Le Begin decided to stop. And this is an open window to cultivate Le Begin. 
and I decided to do that to leave the school because uh, I'm not um, very happy at school. You were a student? Yes. But in fact, uh, I would like to study uh, art. And um, I think I have, well, my um, teacher says that I have some um, capacity to do that. But my my parents were, was not agree about that. And uh, when I I found the possibility to to go away, the family houses, I decided to to keep the the luck to cultivate the the vineyard. Jerome Prevot found an open window, and it was called Lay Begin. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Jerome Prevot of Lay Closerie. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap, are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening. While I was doing background research for this interview, I used Peter Lean's champagneguide.net, which was very helpful in developing questions that I later asked. I would recommend that site to you if you're interested in this producer or if you're just interested in learning more about champagne.